Hello curious people, welcome to Explaining Science to My Dad, the podcast where I try to provide intelligent answers to my dad's stupid questions. I'm Lily, a physics graduate and postgrad in Imperial College London Science Communication Unit. And I'm Lloyd, Lily's dad. Uh, I'm an English graduate with far fewer career prospects than my daughter uh, and I do not know much about science. My dad's always asking me to explain some mental science concept to him, so we decided to make a podcast so that you can listen in on our silly science conversations. And I'm not going to be trying to tackle his questions alone. Thankfully, I've enlisted the help of some proper experts. So, Dad, dare I ask, what's today's question? So, Lily, my question today is, what's the big deal with graphene? Now, you remember you went to Manchester University to do physics. I did. I do remember that. Uh, and we went to the Open Day, and they were very, very big on graphene because they discovered new ways of making graphene at Manchester, and the two people who discovered it, whose names have obviously escaped me, um, uh, won the Nobel Prize for it, I yep. think. Um, so they were very big on graphene, and uh, obviously when we went there, we said, OK, so show us some graphene then, <laughs> expecting to be shown into a huge room with kind of sci-fi stuff in it. And basically they smeared some stuff on my hand that made it look like someone had sneezed into my palm. <laughs> And they said, there it is. It's going to change the world. So my question is, what's the big deal with that stuff they sneezed into my palm? You don't think it's a big deal enough just because they won a Nobel Prize? Uh, well, That didn't convince you? Well, it, it convinced me, but I guess I'm waiting to see the real-world applications of it. OK, well, there's lots of real-world applications, and uh, we'll come on to those in a bit. So buckle in. I'm about to make you think the graphene's the coolest thing you've ever seen. So we're starting off with my favourite segment. I want to know what you think the answer is before you get any information. So, Dad, why do you think graphene is so great? Well, I did what every good humanities graduate would do in this situation. I looked at Wikipedia (laughs) and uh, it wasn't very helpful. I find that Wikipedia pages about science aren't very helpful because they tend to be written by scientists and they're incredibly hard to understand. So it didn't really get me very far. I looked at the FAQ page at Manchester University, which also isn't all that helpful. <laughs> uh, it says, graphene is the name for a honeycomb sheet of carbon atoms. It's the building block of granite pencil lead and is an incredibly strong and conductive material that can be used in a wide range of applications, from aerospace engineering to digital electronics and biomedicine. Sounds okay. cool to me. Sounds great. I, I did find a really good stuff at explainthatstuff.com, who've got a really good explanation about what graphene is. Right. As I understand it, it is an allotrope of carbon. <laughs> yeah? What does that mean, Dad? An allotrope is something where the atoms in an element are arranged differently, but it's mm-hmm. still the same element. Yeah. So carbon can be a diamond. Yeah. But it can also be graphite. It can, yeah. It's the same element. It's good this, isn't it? Yeah. It's well the same element. Are you impressed? <laughs> I'm very impressed. It's the same element, but in different arrangements. Bit of A-level chemistry there. Yeah. And obviously the reason why graphene was discovered is because graphite and pencil lead, the reason it works for pencil leads, first used in pencil leads in the 16th century, by the way. Did you read that in a book? I read that in um, explainthatstuff.com. <laughs> and the reason it works as a pencil is that it leaves a 
it leaves a trace as you move it along. Bits which of is, graphite come off. Bits yeah, of graphite exactly. come off, which is sort of what graphene is, right? It's a, it's a layer of carbon, yeah. one atom deep, is yeah, that right? that's correct. And it's because it's, it's only one atom deep, it's called a two-dimensional material, yeah. which slightly blew my mind. Like, how yeah. can you have a two-dimensional material? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have bulk, is the other thing that it says. Yep. So, or, so already I'm lost, right? Because it's <laughs> if it's got atoms and it's and it's got things in it, how can it not? How can it be two dimensional and not have bulk? You're correct that technically, technically, graphene is not two dimensional because those those atoms of carbon themselves are three dimensional. They they go in x, y, and z. We would say in physics, but in chemistry, you call it a two dimensional material because there's only one layer of atoms. So when they say two-dimensional, they're using it in the chemistry, chemical Yeah, so they're just saying, they're basically saying all of the bonds between the atoms only go in on one plane. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and that's what they mean by two-dimensional. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. I've learned something already. That's very good. And then um, the reason for the question was, obviously, again, I should emphasise, being a humanities graduate, the thing you do after you've consulted Wikipedia, you obviously consult the New Yorker. Of course, yeah. Right, which the is obviously the humanities graduates' bible. Science knowledge. Um, and they actually wrote a very good article in 2014 uh, called Material Question. It was written by a chap called John Colapinto. It's very good. It says, graphene may be the most remarkable substance ever discovered, but what's it for? <laughs> right? And yeah. this whole piece is a very long New York piece that basically comes to the conclusion, we don't know yet. <laughs> what it's for and there's lots of people looking at it and there's lots of people trying to figure it out but it still hasn't been figured out there are all sorts of applications for it and, and i'm going to convince you that there's already some happening in the world that are pretty cool okay and pretty well i'm sci-fi. a bit skeptical i think i think it's all hype do you yeah you think it's just graphene's just got a good, I think it's the manchester good university, brand manager manchester university marketing department's got overexcited <laughs> Well, okay. We'll, we'll see. Well, first of all, um, I'll give you. I'm going to give you a little bit of history of graphene. You've you've t- touched on. Well, we've touched on the um, the Manchester physicist who discovered it. The word graphene was originally coined uh, by a German chemist, whose name was Hans Peter Bohm, and he was referring to a single layer of graphite. But at this point, it was completely hypothetical, and uh, no one could actually isolate that little layer until 2004, when and here's their names, they're hard to pronounce, but um, I spent a long time at Manchester, so they were said a lot around me. Andre Geim and Konstantin Novoselov at the University of Manchester. Well played. You impressed? Well played. <laughs> uh, they managed to isolate a single layer of graphene using something called micromechanical cleavage, which is a very, very, very fancy way of saying they stuck a piece of sellotape on a lump of graphite and they ripped it off. So they were awarded the Nobel Prize for stripping a piece of pencil off with a piece of sellotape. <laughs> yeah, well, using the the thing that you don't read about yeah. is that they then developed that once they discovered that you could do that. You have to then be able to get the the graphite sure. off it and use it as a material, make it into a material that people can isolate and use. So okay. they developed the te- that technique, but it is basically just sellotape and a lump of graphite. Sellotape and a pencil. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. You make graphite out. Very good. Graphene we, at set, home. we can set up the South London Graphene Institute. <laughs> uh, I actually spoke to a PhD student at the University of Manchester the home of graphene with their excellent graphene brand campaign 
and Clara is brilliant and um, uh, she's much more of a graphene expert than me so I asked her to tell us a little bit about herself and what she does and uh, give us a little introduction to what graphene is and uh, why it's so great. So here's Clara. Hello, my name is Clara Skuse. I'm a PhD researcher at the University of Manchester on the Graphene Now Nano CDT with Dr. Patricia Gorgojo as my main supervisor. So the motivations for my PhD research stem from the water crisis and the fact that the current ways that we purify and desalinate water are too energy and electrically intensive to be environmentally sustainable in the long run. So my PhD is about investigating using graphene oxide membranes to overcome these challenges. And then another part of my PhD is to environmentally assess this to actually see, okay, is this process that we've made with graphene membranes, is this actually better for the environment than the current ways that we purify water? Graphene is the thinnest material that we know about because it's only one atom layer thick. And this atom is carbon, and these carbon atoms are bonded together to form what looks like a hexagonal honeycomb lattice, or you could say it looks like chicken wire, but on the atomic scale. So graphite, which we've probably all heard of, and we've definitely all used it in a pencil at one point, graphite is just all of those sheets of graphene stacked on top of each other. But when you strip the graphite of its layers and just eventually strip it so much that you only end up with one sheet of graphene, you then get these really remarkable properties. And that's exactly what Professor Andre Geim and Professor Konstantin Novoselov found out when they isolated graphene for the first time. So they started off with a crystal of graphite. They put a little bit on a bit of scotch tape and then they pressed the scotch tape together and then when they peeled the scotch tape, you could then see that you had a bit of graphite crystal on one side of the scotch tape and a bit of graphite crystal on the other. So that basically means that you've just split the crystal in half. But then when you do that again and you split it in half again, and then you do it again and again and again, eventually, not even after so many times, eventually you've split the material in half so many times that it physically cannot be split in half anymore because you've only got one atom. And that's exactly what graphene is. Um, so that single layer of graphite that you were asking about, which you explained very well, and is an allotrope of carbon. Hey. Very well done. I learnt the word allotrope this week. That's very impressive. So in carbon, all of the carbon atoms are in layers, and the layers are stacked on top of each other. Each carbon atom is covalently bonded to three other carbon atoms. Okay, what does covalently mean? It's, a strong, it's the strongest type of bond you have in chemistry. Chemists, you can correct me if that's wrong where two electrons are shared between the, uh, okay. the the atoms themselves. So it's really, really strong. And uh, So uh, how many electrons in a carbon molecule? Oh six. Six. So the, one of those six from any one atom will be shared with another atom, which is also sharing one of its six. Yeah. And that's what makes the bond. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So um, they've got, they're, they're sharing with three at any one time. Okay. Uh, and that's what the honey, the mean, they mean by a honeycomb structure. They basically just mean you've got lots of hexagons because when you've got a single point sharing with three other points right. and that then point is also sharing with three other points right. with a load of hexagons. So that's all the layers. In between those layers is a different type of bond, or technically not even a bond. It's uh, the van der Waals force, which is just kind of a really weak attraction 
But the, the kind so of you've got like a sheet there. of a sheet of a sheet of pieces um, of hexagons. Carbon. Yeah. And then another sheet of hexagons. And in between and them... And in between them, you've got the... This weak what? Van der Waals force. Van der Waals. Yeah. Van der Waals forces are just a weird thing that happens where when po- things are moving around and there's positive and negative charges moving around, at some point, you'll get an instantaneous charge distribution, which just means that on one side, you'll have lots of positives and on one side, you'll have lots of negatives. And if that's happening, then they'll attract each other. So basically, just at a random Because they're point, positive and negative. Because they're positive and negative. Yeah. So okay. just at a random moment, that'll happen, and then you've got a van der Waals force. But it's not very strong. When you say random, but why does it happen then? Because the particles are moving around. and Okay. Yeah. And then it, then it just so happens, and then it all gets locked up. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So those forces are very weak, but the bonds between the carbon atoms in the layer itself, very, very strong. Mm-hmm. So you've got strong layer, strong layer, strong layer, mm. weak force between them. And what that means is it's really easy to take off a whole layer because they're strongly bonded to each other. So they're not going to, those carbon atoms aren't going to break apart from the other carbon atoms, but they aren't very strongly bonded to the layer underneath. So okay. layer off. All right. But if you did that to a diamond, if you put a piece of sellotape on a diamond, you wouldn't get, nothing would come off. You wouldn't because the carbon atoms in diamond are all bonded to each other. There's oh, so no there's no layers. layers. There's oh, no layers. Okay. There's no Van der Waals forces. So graphite layers, carbon. diamonds, not layers. Yeah, in diamond, just the carbons all join to each other, okay. all happy families. Okay, and is that yeah. fundamentally the difference between graphite and diamond? Fundamentally, yeah. That's that's the different allotropes. allotropes. Very good. Very good. Graphene was such an exciting discovery because we found that once you get down to one atom layer thick, you've got all these kind of almost magic-like properties. It's 200 times stronger than steel, it's one of the most electrically conductive materials that we know of and the most heat conductive. When you get a couple of stacks of graphene oxide on top of each other, you can then form membranes which are impermeable to helium, but then allow water to pass through as if the membrane's not even there. There are all these kind of bizarre traits that that are applicable in so many different industries. You can chuck a bit of graphene into concrete and make it a lot stronger, and then you can use less concrete overall. And then these have massive impacts in automation, in construction, in water technology, in quantum computing, in electronics. So I think it was such a major discovery because it had so many of these cross-disciplinary applications and cross-disciplinary properties. One of the major ones as well being that this is a material which is electrically conductive, transparent and flexible, and there are not really many of those materials around. Some people like to say that the discovery of graphene is a little bit like the discovery of plastics in the fact that we can then functionalize graphene so that it can have so many important applications and it can be used in so many different ways. Also, the discovery of graphene led to the discovery of so many other what we call 2D materials. So once we isolated, well, not me personally, but once someone isolated graphene for the first time, scientists were thinking, okay, so all these other materials and there's a lot of other elements where potentially we could do this in the same method that I described earlier with the scotch tape and also then uncover these amazing properties that only seem to happen once we get to this atomically thin layer. Why then is graphene so great? Moving on to your biggest yeah. your biggest question. Um, the key thing about graphene, 
is that it possesses a lot of properties that manufacturers and scientists love for making products and doing research. Like you've already pointed out, it's very, very conductive, both of electricity and heat. Mm -hmm. So that's great. It means heat can get out of it and into it very quickly. Electricity can get out of it and into it very quickly. And that's partially to do with the fact that it is just one layer. So every single atom at any one time is touching the things around it. Whereas in a diamond, only the carbon atoms on the outside are interacting with the things around it. The ones inside aren't getting anywhere near. On a, on a layer of graphite, all of them, any one time, interacting with the things around okay. it. Graphene, sorry, not graphite. Yeah. Um, it's a 2D material. You also mentioned that, which is uh, pretty amazing. Uh, and it's one million times thinner than the diameter of a single human hair. Yeah, that's one of those kind of science comms analogies that go, and I'm supposed to go, wow, but then but I've got no real way of unlocking that. Well, it's very, I don't even know how thick a piece very, of very thin, and that's really good because it's uh, lightweight, really, really lightweight, yeah, yeah. and really, really flexible. So both make it an excellent thing to use in all sorts of stuff, which I'll I'll come on to. Yeah, uh, it's super, super strong because of those covalent bonds we were talking about. Right, it's one hundred times stronger than steel. Right. Which is kind of the metal that we all think, like, oh, that's strong. Yeah, but here's the thing. I, I read the 100 times stronger than steel thing, right? But it's, it's how do you use it? I mean, it's so thin. Mm. You know, you couldn't make a house out of graphene. Yeah. It would just wobble. You couldn't. But you could make a house and then you could coat all the walls of that house in graphene. Why? So that it was really, really strong. Right. So if you painted on the graphene... Exactly. That's what they say they do. They say we, we, they paint on graf- uh, graphene. Okay, all right. Yeah, exactly. So some of the applications of that, and there's a very long list, but I'm going to tell you some of the coolest ones. So there's a lot of very, very sci-fi stuff. Do you remember in Looper, (laughs) that film, where they have the little glass phones? Yes. Probably possible with graphene, because it's transparent as well. It's transparent and it's really, really thin. So you can make bendy, transparent phones. Okay. Is that what, because they were were all the rage in the news a few years ago, weren't they, that people were going to have... Yeah. Exactly, foldable exactly. phones and see you know there's already graphene applications about yeah that. but it was all it was all slideware though wasn't it it was people in powerpoint slides it wasn't any actual real i don't know there's people these things are being developed people are talking about them and okay. making them in, in research labs the other amazing applications it has is in medicine all right. so because it's really really thin and it has a really high surface area you can attach lots of stuff to it delivering drugs to people is quite a complicated thing because how do you ensure that the drug gets to where it's going if it's going to a specific organ or say a cancerous cell i I genuinely thought you were talking about the post then (laughs) special delivery is that that really that hard okay you mean actually giving it into into the body it means means drug delivered to a person there you go yeah into a person yeah exactly so if you're trying to get a drug to a specific organ or a specific or a tumor say then um you can attach it to graphene and uh it's not very harmful to the person but why would you want to attach it to graphene so that it gets where it's going oh so it holds the thing together yeah until yeah but then isn't you haven't got graphene running around your system yeah it's just a bit of carbon <laughs> <laughs> you probably you probably in a few I've pencils got, i've in got a time. mark on my palm where um Pete Tutton stabbed a pencil in my palm when I was Pete eight years Tutton. old. I hope you're listening to this. And um, it's still there, so, you know, I'm, I'm not dead. That's, exactly, you're not that's, dead. Maybe that's actually graphene. Oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> the one cool application I read about, which I'm not sure if this is real, was to do with nuclear waste. 
Oh, really? Um, that you can use it to attract nuclear waste to the graphene. Mm, mm, that makes sense. And make it easy to dispose of. And apparently they did use something similar like that at Fukushima. Oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. But it might be... That's pretty cool. No, that sounds legitimate because it, it, it's good. At it, that's what I mean about it. It's very good at carrying stuff. So that would make sense. Um, and, and for filtering water and things like that. So I guess that, that does make sense. Materials. Yeah. Next. There's lots of things that we can coat with graphene, uh, which make them super strong and super cool. So there's already products on the market out there like clothing and running shoes and sporting equipment like skis and tennis rackets which are coated in graphene. Really? So, so you can buy these things now? You can buy these things now. And they're really, really strong, so they'll last for ages, because they've got, they've got this layer of this... Is really it true that any scientific discovery can ultimately be turned into a running shoe? That does I seem to be the main application. That. I'm trying to think of one that you can't. Penicillin? Penicillin. Okay. I can't see how you could turn penicillin well, into a running shoe. Well, arguably penicillin was discovered before running shoes, so maybe that's why. Maybe there's a... So you're saying all discoveries since the discovery of running shoes... shoes could be turned into, into a, a running, running shoe. shoe, or could could aid in a running shoe. That could be the first. That's that's Shepard's first law of um, of running sci- shoes. Scientific applications. New York. Can you use first it? A, can you use it in a running shoe? That could be one of our uh, one of our criteria for this podcast. One We're of the only going be, to talk about. Can you use it in a running shoe? Okay. So graphene. Yes. What's that? You you had a law law of cuisine that every food item is improved by casing it in pastry. Yeah. Oh, it has to be solid food items. Obviously, like. A diet coke in pastry, not gonna yeah, not gonna okay. hold up very right, well. Right. Although soup in pastry, yeah, brilliant. So you've got the before. pastry theory of cooking, and we now we've got the uh, the uh, running shoe theory of scientific applications. Okay, if anyone can come up with a single scientific uh, oh, I'm sure discovery are... that can't be applied to running shoes, I'm sure there are many of them. It's just that we're not really interested in them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all interesting scientific yeah. discoveries can be applied to running shoes. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, you could coat a ship or a car in graphene, uh, which would make them stronger and also protect them against rust. So I'm hearing a lot of strength applications. Strength, lots of strength. Yeah, I'm not hearing a lot of conduction applications. I'm getting to that, don't worry. Okay. Uh, so, miniaturisation. Oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Fantastic voyage. Brilliant, yeah. So, making electronics smaller is just... Right, People are yeah. just obsessed with that. And to be they honest... They are, but then we've got the problem with this on-off thing. Now, the one thing that I did sort of look into is that it conducts electricity incredibly efficiently. It, yeah. It much does. more efficiently yeah. than silicon, right? Yes. So people got very excited about potentially it could replace silicon. Yeah. Um, but there's a problem with it. You can't switch it off. Right. So silicon, the electrical field running through silicon, you switch on and off, which obviously means that you can have a, you know, a chip, a log- binary zero and one. Yeah. You can't do that with graphene. It happened in 2015. Scientific American... Much better for reading about science. Much better American publication for reading about science. Well, I'll tell you the other thing I'm learning. Obviously, this piece I wrote was from 2014. Yeah, I'm just so reading So if you're going to read about science, read something more current. <laughs> I was thinking, it was, that's very weird, because there's quite a lot of electronic gra- applications of graphene. Well, I'll tell you what the New Yorker happening. said in 2014, okay? Okay. Uh, semiconductors such as silicon are defined by their ability to turn on and off in the presence of an electric field. In logic chips, that switching process generates the ones and the zeros that are the language of computers. Yeah. Right, we get that, right? Graphene, a semi-metal, so it's, it's defined as a semi-metal, mm-hmm. cannot be turned off. So, in 2015, Scientific American published, yeah. graphene finally gets an electronic on-off switch. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So, you're so right. Is that all they had to do, put a switch on it? Why did they not want to think of that? You just, <laughs> just put a switch on it. I don't think that's quite what happened. No. 
So uh, regular graphene has no band gap, which is what distinguishes yes. whether something is a uh, superconductor, as, you, as yeah. you're right. So it wasn't able to um, be have an on-off switch. But basically, if you tease apart the space where the band gap is, you, so you make a gap, you force a gap into there, yeah. then you can make it have an off-on-off switch. Okay. So that's I think that's what they've done. All right, okay, good one. Well, in 2014, they were saying, no one has succeeded in opening a gap wide enough. It says, those who have managed to create such a gap learned that it kills the mobility, rendering graphene no better than the materials we use now. The result has been a certain dampening of the mood at semiconductor oh. companies. Well, the mood, Maybe, the mood, the mood was lightened, lightened in, in 2015. 2015. The mood right. lightened okay. in 2015. So uh, they've now got band gaps that are approaching the size of band gaps of normal semiconductors, which are semiconductors is what they use in, um, well, silicon is a semiconductor. Yeah. So they've made semiconducting graphene. Yeah. So because of that, they can now use graphene in transistors. Which, as you were saying, transistors are the tiny little switches that that make up microchips. So they can either yeah. turn they turn signals on or they can amplify them. And doing that in succession yeah. um, makes Logic all the things gates. happen. Logic gates. Yep, exactly. And graphene is so conductive and so thin that it's perfect for that miniaturization. And researchers at the University of Manchester, there we are again, have already created. You just, just are you reading this off a press release? No, I am not. But uh, they have. They've trained me. I've been trained. You have. <laughs> it's a maybe great you're university. covered in graphene. Maybe I am. Yeah. That's why I'm so strong. That's why you're so strong. Um, so they've already created the world's smallest transistor using graphene. Oh really? Yeah. So in Manchester. Yeah, the world's smallest. Okay. So that's very exciting, and there's loads of stuff to come. Here's uh, Clara actually because she's got some things to say about what she thinks is so great about graphene and some exciting applications, so um, she, can, she can help me convince you. So I should mention that there's, there's many different ways to make graphene, and if we want graphene for electronic devices and for things like quantum computing, which is really, really cool, we need pristine, perfect graphene, which we're getting there now in terms of being able to mass produce this, but the applications that I'm really excited in is when you don't really need perfect graphene. You can deal with, you know, having a couple layers or it being not pristine at atomically. So when I say this, I mean that there's no defects. So it's all just carbon bonded to carbon in a perfect hexagon and no kind of what we call grain boundaries where um, hexa hexagonal sheets are kind of stuck together and it's not a smooth sheet. But there are loads of applications where we don't need perfect graphene. And one that I find really exciting is in planes. So planes at the moment, they need to be light. We, we want them to be light because then we don't need as much fuel to get the plane up into the air. And then there's a kind of a CO2 benefit to this as well. But at the same time, we need a material that conducts electricity because if you're on a plane and it gets struck by lightning and you're using a material like carbon fibre that doesn't conduct electricity, you're going to have all the heat from the lightning localised on one point and it will just fry whatever it hits. So one really interesting application with graphene is just being easily able to blend it in with resins and with plane materials. So then it can be put on a plane so it's still light, it's still getting all of those additional benefits, but it also still conducts electricity so that if you get hit by lightning there's no problems there so there's a really good application where graphene is able to make something lighter and also benefit the environment as well there are also some really good applications for graphene within medical industry as well and with medical devices in particular so this is because graphene is 
electrically conductive but also flexible which is really helpful for doing implants into things like eyes and the brain where you really need it to be flexible. So the one application of this is to treat Parkinson's disease. So the, the shaking that sometimes accompanies Parkinson's disease is caused by a hyperactive part of the brain. Right at the moment there's some really exciting research on implanting graphene devices into the brain which can then release an electrical signal to counteract the hyperactivity part of the brain and then stop the shaking with Parkinson's. I also really like some of the space camouflage and invisibility cloak applications of graphene as well. So this is the where you can make a device where graphene can block the infrared light coming off an object so that it isn't detected by an infrared detector. Um, this has obviously got some amazing applications within um, defense, but also there's some really, really cool properties for graphene in space as well. So making satellites that are really, really heat conductive because in space you have satellites which are incredibly hot on one side, the side that's facing the sun, and then the other side is absolutely freezing. And this is a lot for a material to handle, having one side of it that's really hot and one side that's really cold. So if you if you blend graphene into these materials and utilize its heat conductive properties, it means that the heat can propagate from one side to the other and so that damage that reduces that reduces the damage potentially to that material. So that's that's what Clara says. You've heard what I have to say. So the question when we came in was what's the big deal with graphene? Yeah. Uh, and the question is it is a big deal. The answer is it is a big deal. Arguably not quite yet. It's going to be a big deal. Yeah. Uh, it's already a big deal in running shoes. So tick. Tick. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's but it's going to be it's going to be transformative in lots of interesting ways. It is. It's gonna it's gonna be amazing. You're gonna see graphene everywhere. I think. In the well, next presumably century. not because of my experience of graphene was it looks like snot in my palm. Well, yeah, so. it's transparent. So you're not gonna see it. You're gonna. I mean, it's gonna look like it's, it's covered in snot. <laughs> <laughs> a little a little graphene shimmer. That's what you're gonna Ooh, see everywhere. A sheen. The graphene. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Explaining Science to My Dad. Next episode, I'll be asking, what's up with muons? If you want to say hello, think you can help me answer one of our questions, or if you've got a question you want me to explain to Dad, you can email us on explainingsciencetomydad at gmail.com. And you can also reach us on Twitter and Instagram using at expsciencetodad. So that's EXP science number two, Dad. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Explaining Science to My Dad was presented by Lily Shepherd and Lloyd Shepherd, with music from Benjamin Byes and bensound.com. With thanks to Clara Skuse from the University of Manchester for her brilliant contributions.